Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, giving leaders the tools and information they need to grow and change their worlds. Now here's your host, Dale Dixon. A customer focus and getting to the heart of whether the customer is always right. Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. On today's episode, Customer Focus, a commitment to customer satisfaction. I am your host, Dale Dixon, alongside Ron Price, as we have a conversation during each and every episode of this podcast. Ron, great to be with you. Thank you, Dale. Good to be with you. And if you are a first-time listener, here is the purpose of the podcast. We dive into a core competency discussed and uh, brought out by the book, The Complete Leader by Ron Price and Randy Lisk. Each and every podcast episode, we dive deep into one of these core competencies and, and have a conversation with Ron about what that competency truly means, how to live it out, and how to grow it in ourselves as leaders. Today, it's customer focus, a commitment to customer satisfaction. And I know a lot of times, Ron, we, we start with the premise that the customer is always right. That is a term thrown around in business often. Is it true? Well, you know, it's it's a lot easier to say than it is to live out. <laughs> I'm reminded of the Stu Leonard story. He had a big dairy farm or dairy store out on the East Coast of the U.S., and he had two rules on this big placard that was out front in front of his large store. The first rule was the customer's always right. Rule number two was when the customer is wrong, refer to rule number one. <laughs> So the reality is the customer probably isn't always right. However, the reason that this is an interesting approach and way to think about your relationship with your customers is that our customers' perceptions always become our business reality. It doesn't actually matter whether they're right. What matters is that their perceptions are what determine whether or not they decide to keep doing business with us. And research shows over and over again that about 90, 95, 96% of customers who have a problem with you won't tell you they have a problem. They just go somewhere else. They either become uh, passive and quit using your service or they find a different provider for your product or service. So really their perception, whether it's right or not is still what rules the day. And when I think of customer focus as a leadership skill, the reason that we put it in the category of leadership skills, not just for the customer service department or the sales department, is because fundamentally the job of an organization is to create and satisfy customers. I think of Peter Drucker, who's one of the great thought leaders uh, for many, many years in the Western world. And he said the mission of every business is to create customers. So if our job is to create customers, their perceptions are what either get us hired or get us fired. And I love the way you approach uh, the idea of the customer always being right. It's about perception, because I've always said uh, the customer's not always right, but is the customer and and that and the way you present it really clarifies and gets to the heart of this concept of perception now i can imagine that leaders think customer satisfaction a customer focus is and satisfaction is that front line type of job but you're saying it's really a leadership skill 
Yes, and and part of the reason that I feel this is the case, Dale, is by the way that I think of who a customer is. So I think of two kinds of customers. There's the customer that I always say the capital C customer. That's somebody who parts with some of their money for a product or service that you have to offer. And that's what we traditionally think about when we think about customers. And I think that it's a fairly simple equation. They're going to give up their money the moment that they think the value you provide exceeds the value of their money. If it's a tie... They're not going to give it up. And if they don't get more value than they're paying for, they're not going to give it up. So that's the high, the capital C customer. But the reality is that we're surrounded by, and I don't mean this in a way that diminishes them at all, but if we would say a lowercase c, a low C customer, these are people that we provide value to, even though there's not a clear exchange of currency that's taking place. And part of what expanded my thinking about this was studying the work of W. Edwards Deming, who really turned around Japan's quality. If, uh, People are as old as me, and you can go back to the 50s and 60s coming out of World War II when the United States helped to rebuild Japan. If you bought something that was made in Japan back then, you knew that it would break down probably within the first 30 days. Japan was not known for creating quality then, and yet that's so foreign to our understanding of Japanese manufacturing and Japanese businesses today because they're one of the world leaders when it comes to quality. And W. Edwards Deming and some other Americans were really responsible for using Japan as an experiment to focus more on quality and customer focus. And in a very practical, even scientific way, they went after this idea of customer focus. And one of the first building blocks that they developed was the idea that anytime you're creating value for somebody else, you're the supplier and they're your customer. So in that context, if you think about the networks of people that we interact with in our organizations, everywhere we turn, there's this vendor or supplier customer relationship repeating itself. And so I think of the people that are a part of our team at Price Associates, they're my customers to the extent that I create value for them. To the extent that they may be creating value for me, then I'm their customer. So I know it can get uh, kind of confusing because you see so many of these customer focused relationships, but I think it's the right way to think about it because that helps us to begin to understand why this really is the leadership skill. Because every time we're creating value for somebody else, we are a supplier and they're a customer. So let's dive into a process or a system that we can use to develop that skill within us as leaders. When we're working with leaders on this, we start by introducing them to something that W. w. Edwards Deming created called SIPOC, S-I-P-O-C, the SIPOC model. And originally he used it in manufacturing, but it really applies in any kind of interaction between a supplier and a vendor. So the letter S in SIPOC stands for who's the supplier, who's the one who's creating value at this point in the supply chain. I stands for the inputs. That's what is the value that that supplier is contributing. It may be inventory. It may be uh, materials. It could be a service. But what is it that they're actually providing to me as a customer? And then the P in SIPOC stands for process. The process is what work do I do where I add to what the supplier's given me so that I, in effect, am becoming a supplier to somebody else. I'm creating more value. So for instance, um, we get our psychometrics assessments from a company called TTI Success Insights. But, so they're our supplier in that context and the inputs that they provide us. 
are this technology that gives us the ability to map people's talent patterns. But now we add value to that by bringing an understanding of how to interpret the reports, how to help people identify their key strengths, how to help people identify one or two areas where they might be able to improve. And so in that process, we create these outputs, which are our expertise and our service and our interaction with our customers. So they, they finish the SIPOC model. They become our customers or the recipient of this value that comes from both our supplier and from the work that we do. So it's supplier, in this case, is TTI Success Insights. The inputs, they give us the reports, the technology, the system. The process that we take that material and run it through where we add more value to it. The outputs, which are what we deliver to our customers, and then our customer is the final recipient of that value. But of course, Dale, that supply chain goes on and on and on because once we give it to our customer or our client, now they're using it with the people in their company or they may be using it in a way that creates more value for their customers and it just keeps cascading down. So this concept that every creation of value involves a supplier inputs a process of creating more value outputs and then another customer is why I think customer focus is a skill that leaders should learn how to develop and that they should be very adept at coaching and developing their teams to be able to have this same con- this same skill set around customer focus. So have you seen a specific industry or even a company, if you want to name companies, do this really well? Well, again, I can go back to um, Japan, which is a great example of somebody who did this well. And we sort of take it for granted right now. But I remember in the 70s, the early 80s, that if you purchased a car from Japan, it was probably going to have some repair problems. And when you had to go get parts, the parts were going to be very expensive and unavailable. I can remember people talking about waiting six weeks to get a part for their automobile. This is so contrary to what a Japanese car tells us about today. And and actually, I think quality has advanced all around the globe when it comes to auto manufacturing. The cars that we get today are better than ever before. But Japan is who really led that. And they went from a very, very tiny market share in the United States to owning 20, 30% of the market share in the United States, not because they sold their cars for less, but because the quality and the customer focus, the way they interacted with their customers set a new pace. Uh, there's another example that just struck me this morning, Dale. I, I have uh, some. I have a lot of favorite authors. One of those are the, the Heath brothers, Dan and Chip Heath. And every time they write a book, I automatically get the book. And their customer focus always impresses me. They, they um, sent me a pre-release copy of their latest book. Now, I don't know if they know me from Adam, but they sent me a copy of their new book, The Power of Moments, which is has not come out as of the moment that we're doing this recording, but it will be coming out soon. They sent that to me three or four weeks ago. This morning, they sent me an email saying, here are all these additional things that we want to give you because uh, we value you as a customer. And they gave me a list of six or seven or eight add-ons that they didn't charge me anything for because they're focused on creating value for me as the customer. You know what the impact of that is on me? I'm automatically going to buy a box of their books that I'm going to send out to people. First of all, because everything they write, I really respect and I get a lot out of it. And secondly, because their attitude of creating value for others is something that I want to reward. So those are two quick examples of how this is really done well. 
How about an industry that is not hitting the mark that you've <clears throat> experienced recently? Well, I hate to say it, but the airline industry would be one. Um, it's, it's, it's fascinating because if you have elite status for one of the major airlines, you're treated totally different than everybody else. But even with that, they have so depended on systems and they've not thought about making sure that their systems continue to be high touch that, um, this is an industry I interact with almost weekly and I have over 2 million miles flying miles uh, throughout my career. And it amazes me that they never get it quite right. At the very best, you feel like the system didn't mess you up, but you almost never feel like you're being given attention to where they really want to know what the value is that they're providing for you. And I, and I have to chuckle, Dale, because I fly coach, but oftentimes I get upgraded to first class because my status is so high. I never get a request to fill out a survey when I'm flying coach. And about 80% of the time when I get upgraded to first class, they send me a, a request to complete a survey. It's like they only want to hear from me when they've put me in first class. They don't want to hear what I have to say when I'm flying coach. I think they're missing a huge opportunity when they approach it that way. Mm. So let's apply the SIPOC supplier inputs, process outputs, customer model and help the airlines out in a couple minutes. Well, first of all, um, it, they are obviously getting their air, the supplier, maybe Boeing or maybe um, Airbus, they're getting their their equipment or they may be getting their uh, IT equipment, their systems for reservations and things like that. So their supplier is the airline or the IT company that's providing their apps online. And then they're adding to that. They're, the, the value that they should be adding to that is they should be thinking about what does this experience look like from the customer's perception? And how are we handling that? And how can we create more value? And a lot of the value that they create would be in addition to those systems or those airplanes, that equipment that they're purchasing. And then they give that to me and then they find out whether or not I'm satisfied, whether or not it's living up to my expectations. And it really leads me to another model that I'd like to talk about in one of our future podcasts. And that is how, how do you engage the customer to understand what they're looking for, what they need, what will impress them and what will actually turn them into raving fans. So that's something I'd like to take a deeper look at in our next podcast. Awesome. Uh, you know, I'm thinking, even when I do receive a survey from an airline, I wonder if, well, number one, they don't ask the right questions. Number two, uh, I wonder if anybody even reads the information or if it just gets thrown into <clears throat> a pie chart that somebody can throw up on a screen for a meeting somewhere to say, you know, check a box that they've, they've done their customer survey. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, Dale, they're unfortunately confused or multifaceted in what they're doing with that data. So I have another example of a major American automaker 
that uh, I bought a car from a few years back. And um, I was, I went in, I was ready to buy. It was one of the easiest sales that salesperson ever had because I'd done my research. I knew what I wanted. It was just a matter of picking out the color and, and closing the deal. So I went through all the paperwork and wrote the check for the car and things like that. And the salesperson said, well, I've got one more thing for you to come on back to my desk. So I went back to his desk. We'd had a pretty positive experience up to this point. And he said, so you're going to get an email within the next couple of days asking you to complete a uh, survey. It's provided by the auto manufacturer. And I just want to let you know ahead of time that if you don't give me the highest score for every question they ask, that it'll take me months to recover my, uh, my credibility with them. So I'm hoping that when you get that survey that you'll just go ahead and give me the highest score for everything. Well, that was offensive to me. It's like, why, why are you asking me to complete a survey if what you do is you use it to punish whoever it was that sold to me instead of learning more about how you could create more value for me. So I refused to complete the survey. In this case, instead of them genuinely having a customer focus and wanting to know what it was, what my experience was like, what my perceptions were, how we might be able to improve those perceptions, they were using this survey as a performance management tool to evaluate their salespeople. And when you have cross purposes like that, you're not going to get clean data. In this case, they didn't get any data from me because I refused to participate because I wasn't going to be a part of a broken system. So it's another great example of how be very careful when you ask for customer feedback and perceptions, be very careful that the purpose of it is to understand your customer better, to stay focused on your customer, not to use it for something else. And in the case of the airlines, I think unfortunately they have two or three or four purposes, which makes me less interested in giving them feedback. Excellent, excellent point. So any final thoughts for us? Well, think about who are your customers. Think about who is it that I create value for. And you really have to develop a whole new way of thinking when you begin to realize that customers are all around you. I think it goes right down to your spouse as one of your customers. If you create value for your spouse or your children or your parents, anybody who you're creating value for, think about them as a customer. And if you want to develop the skill of customer focus, think about what is it that they value what is it that matters to them and how can I align my efforts to provide what they need, what they want, and I'm going to improve relationships in the process. Fantastic. Ron Price, co-author of The Complete Leader and our first in a series of conversations about customer focus and a commitment to customer satisfaction as a leadership skill. If you haven't done so already, I encourage you to pick up the book, The Complete Leader. And if, as you are out and about, if you'll do a couple more things for us, if you would go, speaking of this, uh, we're always looking for opportunities to improve, but if you would rate and review us in iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app, we would definitely appreciate that. We are watching and monitoring that input from our customers on a regular basis and uh, it also helps push the podcast up and make it available in the search results for uh, other people who are looking for this kind of content so you're helping us to share this information with even more people through that review and rating process this is the complete leader podcast everything you need to become a high performing leader thanks for listening to the complete leader podcast Find more online, thecompleteleader.org.